0: I'm Caleb Zacharin, the assistant editor of the New Books Network, and you're listening to the Scholarly Communication Channel. Today I'm speaking with Benjamin Todd, the president and co founder of 80,000 Hours. 80,000 Hours is a nonprofit that conducts research and offers career counseling to help connect people, especially students, with jobs that can allow them to do the most good in the world. It is one of the foremost organizations dedicated to the promotion of effective altruism. I've personally used 80,000 Hours, and I can say firsthand that it is a fantastic resource. And even if you pause this interview now, I recommend that everyone go and check out 80,000 Hours. So just to kick it off, Ben, i was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and the sort of journey you took to founding 80,000 Hours.
1: Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it depends on how far back you want to go. But in in school I had a kind of vague idea that I wanted to do something like important or good for the world in some way and I think one of the first things I ended up doing was I somehow came across the IPCC which summarizes the scientific consensus on climate change and I was like wow how are we not doing more about climate change so I made a bunch of posters summarizing the IPCC for my for my peers and I like got them put up on the wall in my school with the hope that I could kind of convince people to work on climate change and I'm pretty sure I convinced absolutely no one from that but that was my one of my first uh, attempts to do good and then I uh, uh went to Oxford and studied physics and philosophy and it was there that yeah I was like I would go to lots of talks and was kind of exploring and I went to one by Toby Ord uh who's one of the people who got the effect of altruism movement started and yeah I was actually in our kind of college chaplain's living room we'd have these talks every lunchtime like every once a week at lunch and we'd get some kind of cheap cheese and bread and stuff like that and then sit on the floor and listen to a speaker. And Toby uh, gave this talk about how uh, some ways of um, some ways of uh, saving lives or more accurately increasing like people's length of healthy life. In the developing world, would do so much more, uh, have so much more impact than others. Um, and so that would mean, like, by, say, donating some of your money to one of these really effective charities, uh, you could not only do way more good, but you could, you know, really save um, many lives over your lifetime. And um, yeah, he gave this kind of amazing talk, and it basically was really convinced. And so I joined Giving What We Can uh, the week after. I think I was one of the first. I was the first uh, non-founding member, and so that's an organisation where you pledge ten percent of your income for the rest of your life to um,
0: whichever charities you think have the greatest impact on the world. And for our listeners who might not be familiar with effective altruism, uh, would you give a little quick summary of of what effective altruism is?
1: Yeah. So I define effective altruism as an ongoing project to Uh, search for the best ways of doing good or helping others in the world and then to the attempt to put them into practice Um, so it's not like a list of answers about how to um, improve the world it's like an ongoing search for uh, the very most effective ways to help and by most effective I mean
0: the ones that help the most people in the the biggest ways so I know that you've been working on this project for for more than a decade now and I'm wondering if you know, you could share with our listeners some of the things that you've discovered about ways that people might think about their careers, like for for just off the bat, you know, what, why 80,000 hours? What does 80,000 hours refer to?
1: Yeah, 80,000 hours is roughly the length of your working life. So it's 40 hours a week, over 50 weeks a year, over 40 years, it's it's 80,000. And the idea behind the name is, that's just a huge amount of time. So it means that for most people that is their biggest channel or pathway to having an impact on the world beyond that kind of immediate circle. Um, Yeah. Unless you happen to be like the heir to a large fortune or something, in which case you should like focus on giving away the fortune. But for most people it's their working life. That's their biggest way to contribute. Um, But because it's so much time, it means that, you know, if you could reflect on it and figure out a way to have 1% more impact with that time or, also from a personal point of view, make it 1% more fulfilling or satisfying, then it's worth spending up to 800 hours figuring out how to do that, Um, which is like already about six months of full-time work. So yeah, the the other like side of the name is that it's really worth thinking about how best to use that time.
0: And what are sort of, you know, the things that you have found, just a, a, a kind of simple gloss of things that people might consider when thinking about how to do the most good with their career? Yeah, we
1: think if you're, if one of your main aims is to have an impact, then one of the most important questions to focus on is just what problems to focus on in the first place. And that almost sounds kind of obvious, but it's like, it's really not the most standard advice. Um, So normally, like a question about should I work on like education or biomedical research or climate change? People would often say there's like no way to compare between areas like that. And the most common advice would probably just be pick one that you're passionate about and and do that. Um, But we think like, especially later in your career when you have more of these choices, which issues you focus on in the first place is probably the biggest driver of your impact. And the reason for that is you can roughly compare these areas in terms of, so we have this framework, um, uh, their importance, neglectedness and tractability Uh, So the last one is like, how easy is it to make progress? Um, The middle one is like, how many people are already working on it? And the first one is like, if this issue was solved, how, um, how good would it be? How much impact would result? And I think if you kind of just, you know, these comparisons are all really difficult and you can never be precise about it. But if you just start putting some very vague numbers on these things, you start to see that there's, there's really huge differences between them.
0: And on, on, you know, just to sort of get to the website and discuss it, you know, you have this, this very beautiful website and it, it has a list of different career paths that people might consider. And th- there are definitely career paths on there that I don't think necessarily jump out to people when they think about these are things that I should try and do if I want to do the most good. Obviously, you know, climate change is on there, but what are some of the other issues that you think are really important? you know, potential career pathways that people might not typically consider as important.
1: Yeah, and we can also use that to give an example of the thing I was just saying. So uh, one issue we've been talking about for a while is uh, preventing the next pandemic. Um, So back in 2016, I think we published our first thing about why we need to, like, another pandemic is likely in our lifetimes, and it's really worth preparing for that. And, you know, the kind of pitch there was like, we go back to the framework, if a pandemic happens, this clearly could be a really big deal. Like we've seen, um, I think about 20 million people have died due to COVID-19. And it's like many trillions of dollars of of economic loss as well. And that's nowhere, like pandemics, like COVID-19 nowhere near represents like as bad as they could be. Like you could have a pandemic that's much worse again. Um, But then on the second factor, it was being really neglected and actually still is. So we, we we argued that there was only about $1 billion per year spent globally on really targeted efforts to prepare for the next pandemic. And that might sound quite big, but at the same time, we estimated that um, around $300 billion is spent on climate change. And in on conventional medicine in the US, it's around 4 trillion. Uh, so that's um, it's a, a, more than a thousand times more resources. Uh, on on the on like normal healthcare, which is kind of one of the most common things people would focus on if they wanted to do good, uh, or like another example I've been looking at recently is with counterterrorism. I think in the U.S. it's been around two hundred billion a year spent on counterterrorism um, over the last decade, uh, but the number of people who've died due to a terrorist attack, I think, is in the whole world is in the tens. Like I think it's around one hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, something like that. But the number of people who've died due to COVID is 20 million. So um, many orders of magnitude higher. So we thought there's this really big case that pandemic's a huge deal, but being really neglected. So, um, yeah, so one of our listeners, like um, Sophie Rose, was on the track to, like she was on the pre-med track to become a doctor. But she instead decided to pivot it into learning about epidemiology and she did a master's. And she actually came to our one-on-one advice and we helped her find funding for the masters. Um, and then like that was, that was the kind of first stage was to build skills in that area, which is like normally early on the biggest focus is often building skills. Um, but then like when COVID started, she was able to try and think about what are some neglected ways of, of, of like working on COVID or other pandemics that could make a really big difference. And so she came across this idea of um, human challenge trials, So the thing that delays vaccine uh, testing the most is just that the way it works now is that you give people the vaccine and then you have to wait like six months to see if they get COVID or not. But in a human challenge trial, people volunteer to be infected. And that means you can test like within a month. Um, So it's way faster. And if you do this with like healthy young people, the risks to them are very low. So uh, she founded this organization one day sooner that signed up uh, 30,000 volunteers to participate in these trials. And the first ever human challenge trial, in part due to these efforts, started in London uh, last year uh, on COVID-19. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't speed up vaccines this time. But the thing I'm most excited about with that is, you know, if there's another pandemic, that would be one way that we could maybe... Uh, deliver, get the vaccines deployed much much faster
0: than we did this time. So you mentioned that you you helped her do a, a career pivot. How how did eighty thousand hours help her do that? And and what are you know other I guess examples? You don't necessarily need to give something that specific, but general examples of how eighty thousand hours can help people, students or early, or people at early stages in their career that they want to do good, but you know the pathway to do it, to actually making an impact, seems very hard and complicated.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, very concretely, what we have is uh, we have our online guides, which talk about which problems are biggest and most neglected, different ways you could work on them. And the idea of that is really to help people get some ideas for how they might be able to contribute. Um, Then we also have um, a podcast with really in-depth interviews with experts on all these different issues. So that's more about like, how do you then learn really about these areas more, more in depth? Uh, we have a job board with now we've just hit over a thousand um, open job opportunities within the areas we talk about. And then finally there's one-on-one advice, which uh, kind of helps people make their individual plan. Um, and then it gives them like introductions to mentors and funding and job opportunities to help them actually practically take ne- the next steps in, and make a career change. And I think Sophie actually used the, pretty much all of those things. So um we had this article about how many doctors does a life, uh, sorry, how many lives does a doctor save? Uh, cause many people who want to do good, uh, often working in healthcare is the thing that first comes to mind, but we actually worked with a doctor in the UK to estimate how many lives a doctor really saves. Um, so we kind of look at the, well, it's best, best to read the research online, but the conclusion is like it saves more lives than most, most careers. So it's doing a really good thing, but over the course of your career it's probably something like five five lives or more precisely it would be a few hundred years of healthy life um added to the to the population um and so this is like a good thing but it's less than many people expect and that was one of the things that kind of got her to consider like is actually being a doctor the highest impact thing i could do and then it was like a year later she came across one of our podcasts about pandemics and that kind of really gave her the idea like maybe i could use my medical skills to actually work on this really neglected global thing. Uh, and then i like I said, she applied to the one-on-one advice and we helped to get funding and um,
0: start a masters. Something that I think when, when people are, are considering, you know, how they can make an impact is oftentimes, you know, they'll see something, well, they will see something in the news or they'll experience something, you know, see some injustice, see some, some failing from, you know, either the government or, you know, private mm-hmm. sector. Um, and they, they feel upset and they want to go and, and solve this issue, but it, it feels like, you know, either they, you know, they want things to, to change tomorrow, but then this realization that if you actually want to make an impact, it's going to take a really long time. How do you, I guess, deal with that, uh, you know, the kind of the emotional difficulty of, you know, or helping people or even with yourself of how are you, of solving these big issues that seem like they will take, you know not just one lifetime, but, but generations and generations to address? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question.
1: And I think one starting point I would try to orient people around is just, you know, in some ways the scale of the world's problems is not, it's not actually relevant to your decisions. Like all you have is your life and your career and your money or your, your other resources. And so the thing I just really tried to get people to focus on is like, what can you do with that time and of all your options, which, which one's the best option. Um, And yeah, like any individual person can't like totally solve one of these issues by themselves. But uh, I think we've, I think there's lots of like examples and we try and argue on, on the website that uh, it is really possible to make a really big impact on, like by the standards of, an individual like um and so you know one 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 way of just giving a really you know i see this as like a lower bound um so there's this organization give well that's done research into um the most effective ways to save uh, or in- improve health and save lives in developing countries and they've estimated that it's possible to save a child's life for about five thousand dollars um so one career you could take is, you know, you could become a software engineer or you could uh, become an accountant and you could like take that extra money that you would, you know, that you would earn and then say, say, if you donated 10% of it per year. Um, yeah. Like, I think, I think the average college grad in the U S over their lifetime earns about $70,000. So 10% of that per year is like roughly two people's lives saved per year um, or one and a half. And then if you, you know, if you took a slightly higher earning career, like an accountant, you would, that would be a bit more. Um, and so that's adding up to tens of people's lives or even a hundred lives or or more over someone's lifetime. Um, and you know, that's, that's a super big deal. Like (laughs) saving one person's life would be, uh, if you kind of saw that happen in front of you, that would be one of the most amazing things you ever did. And if it's possible to save a hundred people's lives, Um, over your lifetime, like, you know, that's a hundred times better, even if it's kind of really hard to internalize that. And I actually just think that's a starting point. Like by, I think, for instance, working on an issue like pandemics, um, it's because that's even more neglected than these uh, developing world um, health issues and has really big scale. It's it's often even possible to do even more.
0: So in your role as as the, the founder and in your role as president, uh, what is your your sort of greatest challenge and what's also your favorite favorite thing that you get to do?
1: Um, well, yeah, I'm actually just newly in this role. So I, I suppose my biggest challenge is uh, like figuring out what my top priority is for it and what I'm going to work on. Um, yeah, I, I think I've decided I want to work on writing and communication for the next few years. Um, so I'm considering, uh, republishing the book, uh, the 80,000 hours career guide book with a new title and making it broader and, and bringing it more up to date. Um, yeah, I'm right now writing introduction to effective altruism. That is, I I find that really challenging because, uh, effective altruism is a pretty abstract idea. So, Trying to get it across clearly and compellingly, but make people understand the, the actual thing we're trying to get across, rather than just understanding it as a very specific example example of effective altruism, is challenging. Um, yeah, so I'd say it's like choosing choosing the projects, um, figuring out how to kind of like structure my life around these
0: projects going forward. And you mentioned that you're you're considering re releasing this career guide. Um, you know, there, there's also a career guide up on the website, which I recommend anyone who's listening to to go check out. But you know, what what are your your plans for for this book? Um, and you, you mentioned communication and and writing an introduction to effective altruism. Um, you know, obviously, effective altruism is something that, especially in the past year, I've seen started to see it mentioned more and more everywhere. Um, so you know. What what is it, the, the sort of the significance of this idea entering the mainstream, and and what do you want people to know about it that you haven't already said or that hasn't isn't already out there?
1: Yeah, so like I was saying, affect altruism earlier, it's I was defining it as an ongoing project to find the best ways of helping others and put them into practice, and so it's almost a, it's a methodology or um, it's like a quest, an ongoing project. And so I'd say what actually unites effective altruism is these kind of these broad values, like trying to treat everyone equally, trying to find the very most effective ways of helping rather than, uh, just like something that's good, uh, trying to take a more kind of inquisitive, curious, critical approach to doing good. Those are the things that actually unite us, but cause that's quite abstract. People tend to just lock on specific ideas, like donating 10% of your income to, uh, fight malaria or. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like particular causes we talk about, like, um, you know, are the people who want to work on AI, cause we are, we've talked about AI a lot, which we haven't mentioned in this interview yet, but, um, that's on our, in our online content. And so the challenge is like not getting it understood as the, the specific examples, but actually the kind of broader approach
0: that is what actually, um, inspires us. You mentioned, uh, Toby Ord. As sort of a major influence uh, in in the founding of this organization, Uh, is there anyone else or or any books that you would recommend? A lot of our our listeners are are book people, so you know if there's anything that people if they want to learn more uh, just about the ideas, not necessarily from a practical perspective, but are just curious about the the kind of the the philosophy around this, what you might recommend? Yeah, totally.
1: I mean, I. Really recommend Toby's recent book called *The Precipice*. And so, in that book, he he's putting forth the idea that we've entered a like a new stage in history, which um, where it's become possible to destroy ourselves, to end civilization, but we don't yet have the wisdom to like make sure we don't do that. So it's kind of like humanity's adolescence, and that's that's the name of the book is the name of this period in our history where we're we're on the precipice and we could go one way or the other. And yeah, that's, uh, that's it's a fantastic book, and yeah, you can check out some of the reviews of it. Um, yeah, the other one I would say is uh, Will McCaskill, who is my co-founder. And so, yeah, we we met at Oxford, and we were trying to think about what to do with our own careers, and we did a talk together and uh, about like which parts might have the most impact, and that's what led to the creation of 80,000 Hours. And he's written a book called Doing Good Better, which... Is an introduction to effective altruism um i think that was that was released in 2015 and then he also has a new book coming up which is called what we owe the future and so this is the idea that you know the the group that in a way get the most uh like screwed by the existing system is future generations because there's a there's a huge number potentially of, of future generations but they have no votes they have no representation in our political system they have no economic power um and so our, our kind of system just continually really neglects their interests and you know in particular we might be gambling with the whole future itself with with things like nuclear war and pandemics and climate change um and so we're putting like the existence of all these future generations at stake just so that we could be a bit wealthier um and so yeah the, that, that's that's the idea of long-termism which is the idea that. There could be this really long future. And what really matters about today is um from a moral perspective, could be how we set things up for that, for that long-term future, whether we leave them a good a good world or not. Um and so yeah, that's that's like a, a bit slight, slightly more philosophical book about this new philosophy of long-termism that's kind of emerged out of moral philosophy um in Oxford with kind of like Derek Parford as one of the uh, originators and now it's been, it's been kind of taken forward and developed just recently. You,
0: you mentioned, you know, some of what you are, you know, as an individual working on, but I'm curious if there are are any other plans for, for 80,000 hours, either to expand it or to go into new territories that you haven't explored yet.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, we have, uh, yeah, there's like thousands of people who've changed their careers due to 80,000 hours and, we have like about a million and a half readers each month but despite that um a million and a half readers each year sorry despite that we i think only around one percent of college students have heard of us so I think mean, there's like a big room just to reach people and yeah there's there's definitely a lot more than one percent of college students are interested in how to have a positive impact so i think yeah the, the it's it's kind of just reaching all those students and then and then just really delivering on what we have, what we have now. So making the, making all our, our, our online guides better, uh, growing the job board. Last year, we spoke to about 800 people, one-on-one, um, and the, these calls are all, all free, um, but people just apply on the website. Um, but we want to get that up to, you know, at least several thousand people, several thousand calls per year,
0: uh, in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, those, those, those are the main plans. You know, you mentioned those calls and you talked to them a little bit earlier, too, um, in your specific example, Sophie, um, but, you know, what, what are these, these calls like, you know, if, if someone is listening to this and is trying to figure out what to do, deciding between, you know, going to investment banking or working at McKinsey, they don't really know if, if, if that's the path for them, um, you know, what, 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 do you, what do you tell them or, or what do, you know, the 80,000 hours employees tell these these students?
1: Yeah. So the, generally the calls of people who've already, you know, they've got a basic idea of the advice from the website or the podcast. Um, and then what happens is you fill out a very rough sketch of your career plan. So maybe like what you're aiming for longer term, what global issues you're most interested in, and then some ideas for concrete next steps. And then we get people to try to write out there, which I think is one of the most useful things you can get someone to do with their career is write out their key uncertainties. So people often, you know, they kind of they they're like career decisions are always really uncertain and that's like pretty can pretty unpleasant to deal with like to be making such a high stakes decision in the face of so much uncertainty and it's very easy just to let that kind of make you feel generally like paralyzed about i, I don't really know what to do um instead of that if you just kind of write down like what are questions i could answer that would change my ranking of options so it's like make a ranking even if it's super rough what concrete information could change my ranking that's how how helping to break it down and make it practical and then at that point you can just see like well maybe i could answer those key uncertainties or at least learn about them maybe i could try something out maybe i could speak to someone um or read something and so yeah we get people to write out those key uncertainties and then yeah when they start the call firstly we'll kind of like have a quick check over their their doc and see if like they've maybe missed something obvious or we don't understand something try and understand their strengths a bit more. And then often the structure of the call would just be, we'll be like seeing if we can help them answer their key uncertainties or more often create a plan to answer them. Cause it's often more about like, okay, I'm going to go and speak to like these three, th- three people or I'm going to just apply to these jobs and see which ones I get. That's often a, a really good way forward. Um, yeah. And then finally the kind of, the, the the final big aspect is, you know, we're not experts in any of these issues ourselves. So we then, uh, ideally try to then introduce them to a couple of people who are actually in the career paths they're interested in or in the the areas they're interested in. And then hopefully they, uh, if everything works out, they help them take it forward, um, with the more like specific tactical advice for that area.
0: If someone now they've, they've heard this, this pitch, um, and they're interested in it, what, what steps would you recommend? Would you recommend that people go and, and check out the podcast or, you know, read the career guide? Um, what, what would you, what would you recommend for, for students or people in an early stage of their career?
1: Yeah. So we have, there's like two guides online. We have, uh, it's called the key ideas series and that's like a little bit more philosophical. It's like how to maximize your impact the most important ideas you need to know. Uh, that's kind of our default starting point. And then the the book I have from 2016, that's a bit broader. Um, that's more like, how do I find a fulfilling career in general? Um, and so that's available as a book on Amazon. So either of those are good starting points. Um, if you prefer audio, then on the podcast, we have um, a 10 episode introduction of like the best 10 episodes of the podcast. And we also have a 10 episode introduction to effective altruism. Um, yeah, you could also start by reading The Precipice or Doing Good Better, like I mentioned before, that cover some kind of similar ideas, but from, the yeah, like the precipice is like about this kind of particular set of issues around existential risks, but it's kind of also an example of effects altruism applied. Um, and then, yeah, from any of those, you could then, if you thought you're actually interested in using your career to tackle some of the issues we talk about, then you could apply to the one-on-one advice
0: or look at the job board and start looking for jobs. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for, for being on the new books network. Um, the website is 80,000hours.org. Um, it's a great resource. I, I highly recommend it. So, So thank you. Cool. Yeah, thanks so much.